If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Mark chapter 7. We'll be in verses 24, and we'll pause around somewhere around verse 30. And I know that you probably uh, opened your outline this morning, and some of you are already twitching a little bit uh, because there's no blanks to fill out. Uh, You don't have a misprint. And I know that for some of you, you're going to have a hard time with this this morning. I know that some of you are, you like to complete the test, you like to fill in the blanks, you like to know you got the answers right. Um, And so I know that you're going to have a hard time this morning. For some of you, this is beautiful. This is a canvas in which you can create your own space. And so you are so excited this morning to receive a blank document. You can write whatever you want. I would encourage you not to use it to write down your to-do list for the rest of the day or where you're going to eat after this or uh, different things like that, that you've got a blank canvas in which you can write out whatever it is. And um, just candidly, uh, the sermon was not baked by the time this went to print. So uh, that's why you have a blank sheet right there. But it is hopefully baked by the time we're here. So let's go. Mark chapter 7, verses 24, and we'll pause at verse 30. The Syrophoenician woman's faith. All right. I have to say this a lot today, so I want y'all to be able to say it with me. Can you say Syrophoenician? It's pretty good. All right, so let's say it, let's go through this together, and uh, I will say Syrophoenician several more times, and so y'all empathize with me as we walk through it. And from there, Jesus arose and he went to the region of Tyre and Sidon. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, help us. We come to a very difficult passage of Scripture, one that, Lord, we need your help and we need your leadership. We need your guidance. We need you to take the wheel here. So, Lord, would you help us as we do that? Lord, we pray that our hearts would be open and receptive Lord, that we would tune our hearts to your frequency. Lord, we're well aware that there's a lot going on in the world, a lot of things that can bring distractions, but for these next few moments, Lord, I pray that our hearts are tuned in and we are locked in to your calling in our lives. Lord, be with us now as we cut open your word. In your name we pray, amen. So we need to figure out how we got to this point that Jesus would be in this region eating and have this Gentile woman come and talk to him and him give such a response. Now, you'll be reminded that just a few weeks ago, we learned that Jesus uh, stood and broke five loaves and two fish and multiplied it out to feed the 5,000 men on the nice green pastures in the hillside. So Jesus has just fed the 5,000 in a truly stunning and amazing miracle. You'll see that soon after that, in the subsequent weeks, we learned that the Pharisees were coming to Jesus, and they were frustrated that his disciples were eating with unclean hands, that they weren't washing properly in the ways that they were supposed to, and so they were eating with defiled hands, and that the Pharisees are coming to Jesus saying, hey man, how do you claim to be a teacher of the law, yet your own apostles are eating with defiled hands? That led to a discussion further in which Jesus declared, all foods clean and that nothing that goes into a person would defile him. It would be what came out of that person. 
So Jesus totally changes the paradigm here that pork and fish are all now clean by the word of Jesus' authority here. And so it brings us to this point that Jesus is in the region of Tyre and Sidon, uh, in this Gentile uh, region, entering into a house, not wanting anyone to know. Now, at first glance, one commentator looked at these passages, as you probably have in these moments, and said, what happened to my Jesus? Right? Jesus doesn't talk like this. Right? And in, in many ways, we're, we're kind of okay with it when Jesus talks to the Pharisees in this way. We're okay when Jesus says, you brood of vipers to the Pharisees, or you whitewashed tombs, or you hypocrites. You know, we're okay with that when he's speaking to the Pharisees. Or even last week, when we learned when Jesus would look at the disciples and say, are y'all so dull? Right? We, were, we were a little bit okay with it. But here we have Jesus talking to this Gentile, Syrophoenician woman, coming before Jesus with a daughter who is sick, and he would respond in such a way. And so in a moment, we can feel the weight of what one commentator would just say, what happened to my Jesus? What happened to the Jesus who cares for the sick and the hurting, the compassionate heart? Where did he go? What did you do with it? Why do we have this passage? And so for a moment, we need to understand that, yes, this is how we got here from the feeding of the 5,000 through the um, outward and defiled talk and Here we have this woman falling down at Jesus' feet. Before we get there, there's one little quick point that I don't want to just hit over that uh, I think is important, and it's a continual reminder that Jesus goes to this area, and he entered a house, and you see again, over and over, we see Jesus appearing to want to get away for a quiet moment. He enters this house not wanting anyone to know, yet we know that Jesus could not be hidden. Time and time again, you see Jesus wanting to retreat to a... Uh, desolate and quiet place with his disciples to be met with people running on the shore trying to get to him before he exited the boat. Jesus getting a quiet and desolate moment does not seem to be the easiest thing for the Son of God. But Jesus cannot be hidden. It's a simple reminder to me that this morning, 2,000 years after Jesus stepped foot on this planet, he still cannot be hidden. That today, gathered in homes and basements and churches all across the face of this planet, the gospel light shines brighter and brighter and brighter in jungles and some far-off Amazon place and the, the basements in China and all across the churches in our city. The gospel of Jesus shines brightly. This good news message cannot be hidden and it cannot be stopped. As the apostles were uh, getting Uh, taken in front of the Pharisees, one Pharisee simply said, if this man, if this Jesus is who he says he is, this gospel message will not be stopped. But if this guy is a fraud, if he's a phony, if, if he's coming in the line of others who have come and said big things but didn't work out, this message will not make it very much further. And here we are, 2,000 years later, the gospel message still shines bright and brightly. So we see that this Jesus cannot be hidden. But you see, number two of your observations is that this Gentile woman fell at her feet before Jesus. See, immediately, this woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at Jesus' feet. This woman understood the best possible position, the best possible place for her to be was at the feet of Jesus. The best place for you and I to be this morning and every day as we wake up in the morning, the best possible posture that we can take every day in our lives is at the feet of Jesus. Humility is the core of the believer. 
in every way as we follow Jesus, as we trust in Jesus, as we read his word, as we study it in our lives, if it leads us to a place of pride, we are doing it completely wrong. As we follow Jesus, it should always lead us into a place of humility, understanding who he is and who we are not. But it's so interesting, this Gentile woman falls down at her feet before Jesus. Do you recall over the past few weeks, who was the last person that we looked at who fell down before Jesus? It was Jairus. Jairus is the last person that the book of Mark records falls down at the feet of Jesus. And Jairus could not be more completely opposite to this Gentile woman. Here we have a Gentile, Syrophoenician woman. Just the mere fact that she was a Gentile, she would have been considered unclean. The Pharisees who had been upset with Jesus for eating with defiled hands, this woman was not something that she put into her mouth, something that she ate, something that she did. The mere fact that she was a Gentile made her unclean. You have this Gentile woman falling before Jesus. The last person that we saw falling before Jesus in the book of Mark was Jairus, a synagogue official, a Jewish leader. And all the way and everywhere in between, you've got this leader of the, the Gentile, the, excuse me, the Jewish community, the, the synagogue falling on his feet before Jesus. And you've got this Gentile woman falling on her face before Jesus. It reminds me of Philippians 2, 10 through 11, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow. Every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Both Jairus and this woman understand that the best possible posture, the best possible place that they can be is at the feet of Jesus. And I want to implore you again, before we move any further, that that is the posture of every true believer, daily, in obedience, submitting on our knees, saying, Jesus, whatever you would call us to, wherever you want me to go, wherever you would call me to lead me, whatever I need to rid myself of, I am humbling myself daily. The core of every believer is humility, a humble heart that says, Lord, I cannot, but you can. Lord, I cannot save myself, but you have. So as we move forward, we recognize that this Gentile woman in the core of Jairus and others fall down before Jesus. But what do we make of the text of this passage? This woman kneels before Jesus, and look at verse 27. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And how does Jesus reply in verse 27? And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. This is a peculiar passage. This is a difficult passage, one that we can scratch our heads at. We understand that this message, this bread, is the overflow of blessings from the Lord, the teaching of Jesus, his message, and his fullness of salvation, and all that he's bringing to the Jews first. You have the children who are the Jews and the dogs who are the Gentiles. And we can take a little offense at that, but Jesus does couch it in a little bit of better language. The, Jew, the Jews would often call the, the, the Gentiles dogs, mangy dogs that would be on the outside of the house scavenging for food and just these unclean, filthy animals that would be out in the streets. But here Jesus, when he calls dogs, he talks of it in terms of a, a house pet, a pet that would be in your house that would be clean and under the table and looking forward to those scraps that would fall. And so it's not nearly the slight that the Pharisees would mean it, but it's still not the prettiest of terms, right? One commentator, I think, beautifully expresses that written words cannot convey a twinkle in the eye of Jesus. 
And it may be that Jesus was jocularly or playfully presenting her with the sort of language that she might expect from a Jew in order to see how she would react. That this is a, a difficult statement that Jesus would say that let the children be fed first. But even in that word first, Jesus gives a little bit of hope, right? That in the children being fed first, the nation of Israel being fed first, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it into the dogs. In the book of Romans, Paul reminds us that he is not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And so we see Jesus coming in. He's, he's given us this passage that's not far off, but it's couched in language that, again, we don't know the twinkle of an eye or the, the playful language that he may have been getting across, but this woman seemingly takes no offense at Jesus' words. You don't see her get up and storm off. You don't say, you see her say, how could you, Jesus? How could you use this language? I'm not a dog. You don't see her get angry with Jesus. You simply see her continue to be bowed and prostrate before and use Jesus' Jesus's own words to say, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Understanding the fullness of this parable. And you know what is even more astounding in this parable is that we have looked over and over at Jesus' parables that he tells. This is the first time in the Gospel of Mark that anyone has understood a parable that Jesus has said. You see the disciples seeing Jesus, seeing him break the, the bread and feed the 5,000, walking on water. You've seen the miraculous works that Jesus has done, but Jesus constantly had to get the disciples, bring them into a room and say, here's what this parable meant. At one point last week, Jesus said, are you so dull to continue to miss what I'm trying to show you and tell you? And here for the first time, the Syrophoenician Gentile woman hearing a parable understands and responds beautifully in faith. This woman who probably by the, out, the standards should not have understood her. She shouldn't have eyes to see and ears to hear, but she understood and responded in faith in what Jesus was calling her to. She recognized that, yes, the crumbs were powerful and bountiful and plentiful for her. For a moment, let's go back for just a second at where we've been. See, if we stop short of this passage and we just say, Jesus said that it's not right for the children's bread and take it to the dogs, that's the end. I'm a Gentile, that's the end of it. I guess I've got no inheritance. I've got no, I'm, I'm out of the picture, right? It's just for the Jews and I'm, I'm out of the equation. Reminded a moment ago as Jesus was feeding the 5,000, you recall what he said to the disciples. The disciples were saying, Jesus, we've got to send these people away. We can't feed them. There's nothing we can do. And what does Jesus say? You feed them. And so the disciples begin to talk back to Jesus and say, Jesus, it's going to be 200 days wage for us to feed all these people. There's nothing that we can do. Even if we were to go out with 200 days wage and buy all the bread that we could, we would come back and the people would just be eating crumbs and morsels. They wouldn't be full. They wouldn't be satisfied. There's nothing that we could give them. They're just going to eat crumbs, Jesus. And so what does Jesus do? He takes those five loaves and two fish. He breaks them, gives thanks multiplies them out so the people are not eating crumbs, but they are fed to the overflow. So much so that there are 12 basketfuls full of bread and fish. The people are, fret, are, are fed, and it says that they ate until they were satisfied. Disciples were worried about the crumbs, and Jesus was giving to the overflow and to the overflow and to the overflow because God's grace is sufficient. This woman understood 
And she looked at Jesus and said, even the dogs are satisfied by the crumbs from the table. Even the dogs are satisfied with the abundant grace that is given. And Jesus looks at her with this statement, you may go, this demon has left your daughter. This demon or this woman goes away in the same way that Jairus went away with Jesus and found his daughter healed. This woman walked away in faith knowing that her daughter was healed. We're recognizing fully that Jesus was not invalidating the full of Scripture, that all are able to be saved. We recognize in Scripture all who call upon the name of the Lord, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Not might be saved, it's possible if you're right nationality, if you're right background, if you speak the right tongue or tribe. It's not if it can be saved, all who call upon the name of the Lord. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and you will find rest. You see in Galatians that there is neither Jew nor Greek, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. Even going back to David in the Psalm 22, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and the families of the nation shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Our marching orders, the Great Commission, go and make disciples of all nations. Not a single nation, not a single people, but we see Jesus extend this to all people at all times. And this woman walked away completely satisfied in Christ. Jesus, again, demonstrates his authority. His authority even over distance to heal this woman. Authority over unclean and disease and sickness and the sea and the physical and the food and the word and on and on. Jesus describes and demonstrates his authority. Friends, even in the midst of this difficult passage, one of the most beautiful parts rises to the surface. It's the part that I have missed in this passage over and over again. As you look back to Jairus, a father bringing his daughter to Jesus, you look at this Gentile woman bringing her daughter to Jesus. One of the most beautiful passages. They put us in line with the friends who dug the roof off to lower their friend to Jesus or the, the, the friends who knelt through to lower this paralytic to get healing or the, the widow who pursed her way through the crowd to touch Jesus' cloak. This is a persistent mom bringing her daughter to the feet of Jesus. And last night as I was preparing, my heart was just taken at times, looking at this passage and not maybe understanding in full and not getting all the nuance that Jesus was saying, and here I miss a mom just putting herself in uncomfortable situation to say, I know all that's going on, but here is my daughter, Jesus. As you turn to Matthew chapter 15, you see the blow is not any easier, and Jesus actually pushes her off a little bit, and the disciples try to send her away, but she persists in bringing her daughter before Jesus as a father knowing all the things that are out in this world, all the difficulty and strife and struggle that my children will face on a daily basis. The best thing going for this daughter who was nowhere near Jesus was that she had a mom who was persistent to bring her to the feet of Jesus. And as a father, I want to follow the example of Jairus. As a mom, I want us to follow the example of this Syrophoenician woman to bring our needs before Jesus in humble and humility to say, Jesus, we can't, but you can. We know that there are problems, there are issues, there's uncleanliness all around, but we are going to persist in bringing our needs squarely before you because we cannot, but you can. And in the midst of this nuance and difficulty and struggle that at the end of the day reminds us that the gospel message is for all people at all times reminded of this persistent Syrophoenician mom 
who risked everything to consistently bring her daughter before Jesus. Let's pause for a moment and just pray as we come to this conclusion. Dear Lord, thank you. Or we stop for a moment and just recognize our insufficiency, but your sufficiency. Lord, that your grace is sufficient to the overflowing and to the overflowing, Lord, that we are, we are nourished, that we are sustained by your grace. Lord, it's not a paltry amount. It's not a little amount that we just taste and nibble on, but Lord, your grace is sufficient to the overflow. But thank you that as a Gentile, you welcome us in that you bring us into the fold, into the family. Yes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, but there is no distinction, Lord, that you give freely and fully to your children. Lord, thank you that today we can stand here because the blood of Jesus covers all of our sins. As we experienced a baptism this morning at 8.30, it's always a beautiful and clear picture of being plunged beneath the waters and raising to walk in newness of life, that that water covers every part of us as your, sin, as your blood has covered every part of our sin. Lord, we thank you. We thank you that your grace covers not a portion, not a small amount, but the whole. So today we just ask that you would open our hearts to be receptive, that we would kneel in humility knowing our place before you, that we are not God, but you are, that we cannot, but you can. We cannot sustain ourselves, but you can. Will always lead us back to that posture of the utmost humility in our lives. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for Jesus. In his holy and matchless name we pray, amen.